You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 185 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is later than normal on this fine Sunday night, but it's still Sunday night as we're recording this. And joining me, the only person in the world that, that would be happy to record at this time is Scott Coleman. What's up, man? <laughs> it's good to be here, man. Another uh, another division championship, which we're going to talk about, obviously. And, and uh, really, just it should be a fun podcast recapping what's been an awesome first uh, you know, 95% of the season or whatever we're at at this point. So a lot of fun and lots of good stuff to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously, this is a jovial podcast. Um, I apologize if I don't have a ton of uh, energy. I'm going to press I'm gonna press on here. I had a, uh, a family thing happen. Everything's pretty much okay now for the most part. But I had to uh, pull a whirlwind uh, car trip over the weekend. And I'm just getting home about an hour ago and I just recorded a Hawks podcast and I'm, I'm on fl- I'm on uh, fumes right now. So Scott's gonna have to carry me. But the good news is there's positive stuff to talk about because you just alluded to it. The Braves clinched the division, which everybody knows. If, it, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know that, I'm not really sure how you got here, but congratulations. Um, yeah. So no surprise. We've known this was going to come for a while. I was kind of leading into the bit last week um, with Eric refusing to say that it was over. Um, we knew it was for the most part, but uh, by Friday it actually was over. There was the uh, big celebration, uh, a breezy win too, which made it nice, like that anticipation of uh, knowing it was going to happen from like the fifth inning on or so on Friday night was uh, was nice when Fulte was just lights out and uh, Brian McCann fittingly homers and so does, so does Ronald Acuna in the uh, in the clincher. So it's nice to be, have that all wrapped up and then Saturday and Sunday got to uh, play some, some punt lineups. They actually won Saturday playing a uh, backup lineup almost, almost assuredly, which was fun to see, but I mean... Big picture here. What do you make of this? Because you know, obviously, there's the typical stuff where um, you know every, everybody's happy, including people that were not picking the Braves to win the, win the division. Uh, I didn't pick them to win the division. I thought they certainly could win the division and said that as much, but I, they were not my pick, so I was wrong, and I'm happy to be wrong about that. Um, so I was just happy, and I never understand the people that want to just you know yell and scream about how people were people were wrong. I, I totally understand the Braves players and team saying that because you feel disrespected and I totally get that. Um, but in general, it was just fun, man. They obviously, no one, I'm not sure anybody, even people that picked the Braves and won the division, no one was saying 99 wins, which, which is the pace they're on right now. Like not even the most optimistic Braves fan had them winning 99 to 100 games. Um, so at the very least, we could say that they probably did more than we ex- that everybody expected, but uh, they obviously were a lot better than I thought they were going to be. And uh, that's fun, man. It was a heck of a ride. Yeah, you know, it wasn't it wasn't quite wire to wire. They of course had their struggles in April and early May, but 
um, as we all saw, really from that second week of May, moving Acuna to the leadoff spot, and, and they just seemed to click a little bit um, from from that point on. <laughs> moving moving um, Acuna to the leadoff spot. Oh, I, I can't, I can't, I can't even, I can't let let that pitch go by, Scott. Why was he not? Why was he not there? In the who first could place? have possibly? Who could have possibly seen that? Uh, coming, I almost right? forgot uh, about that. Honestly, that's something that I would normally bring up as like the uh, resident sarcastic uh, troll. Man, that was bad at the beginning of the season. Um, but yeah. hey, it worked out well, I guess. Hey, we're here. They won. It worked out. They still won the division. Um, yeah, you know it's crazy. I was thinking about it the other day. Back to back division championships. It is the first time in a while. fifteen or sixteen years. How you want to look at it? Since two thousand four, two thousand five, since the Braves repeated as division champions, um, and of course they won in twenty ten and twenty thirteen and twenty seventeen uh, or twenty eighteen. Of course, last year. So. Um, you know, it's special whenever you can go back to back, it's, it's really hard to do, especially the way the NL East has been really a tougher division, uh, this year with, with the way those four clubs have played all year long. So, um, really a lot of fun. It's been a super fun team to watch all year. Uh, a lot of great personalities. You got to see some of the celebrating on Friday night in the dugout just look like a big party. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Josh Donaldson yelling that there's a giant hotel behind the stadium and they're just kind of like, tell me you can't imagine uh, Josh Donaldson and a half dozen Braves just like stumbling into the Omni and just passing out in the lobby and, somewhere. And like by that. the way, just, by the way, he start he started the next day, um, which was hysterical. <laughs> um, it was that was the there were lots of good jokes being made when Donaldson was in the starting lineup the next day, um, and rightfully so. I'm sure he enjoyed himself and was not well rested, um, but that that's okay. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun, man. I mean, I wish I honestly could have enjoyed more of it live, but I was. Uh, I was watching stuff on Twitter and seeing how all the breakdown was happening uh, in between uh, travel weirdness stuff, and I wish I could have seen it. But it was, uh, you know, a nice reward, and honestly, a lot, a lot changed during the season. It's, it was kind of fun slash interesting to look back and kind of remember uh, amid amid a lot of the discussion uh, over the weekend just how much changed between. Even when you said, you know, even you know, you noted the Acuna change, and obviously they were eighteen and twenty. We talked about that ad nauseum, but. How many things change with this team? And it always happens in baseball; things come and go. But between you know adding Keuchel and the whole bullpen overhaul, and you know Austin Riley coming up and killing the ball for a month, and just all kinds of things happened. Um, even now, like the bench being remade during the season, Billy Hamilton, Danny Echeverria, like all these guys who were not around um, even in like May, um, who are now killing it for this team, particularly Keuchel, obviously. In the bullpen, it's just kind of crazy to see what happened because, yes, this team might have won the division as as it was constructed because they started turning the corner a little bit, obviously, before all the moves were made. But the team they have now is not the team they had in uh, in March and April, um, which is a credit to, to the front office. And you know, I was skeptical; a lot of people were skeptical that they were going to spend the money, and they and they went and did it, which is uh, kudos to them for doing that. But you know. It's, it's worth remembering and noting and crediting um, just all the work that happened, and that, that includes a, a roster overhaul. Um, obviously, the key pieces were around and the core four offensive players, and uh, Soroka was awesome wire to wire, but they did a lot of work in, in Season 2 to kind of fine-tune this roster and set it up for success, and uh, that's awesome too. Yeah, I mean, truly, if you think about what's likely going to be the playoff roster versus what they opened the season with, it's it's almost a 50% overhaul, which is crazy. I mean, you you compare that to some of the other teams that are in the playoffs, and sure, everybody adds, you know, all, all good teams add at the bullpen, all good teams try to add a pitcher, or a starting pitcher, rather, because you can never have enough starting pitching, maybe some lineup or bench help, but truly, I mean, this team had some serious overhauling. And I think it was something that Alex Anthopoulos talked a lot about over the winter months about it was mocked at the time 
Um, but having that flexibility and, and the the capability to go out and add some players. And not everyone's going to be a Dallas Keuchel making $13 million over four months, basically. Um, but whenever Nick Markakis got hurt, they went out and added an outfielder. Whenever uh, they needed a catcher, they went out and added Cervelli. I mean, it was it was truly a situation. Hatchavaria, too, when Dan's went down. I mean, yeah, I mean, one guy holes. went down. Yeah, one guy went down and they added them. And maybe it wasn't a headline move. And um, maybe it was a little more notable just because in, in recent years in August, you have the, the waiver trades, whereas this year um, you didn't have that for the first time. Maybe that's why it just seemed a little different than what it's been in past years. But truly anytime it felt like the Braves had a hole, um, you know, Anthopolis talked about in, in June when they signed Keuchel that they had a hole in the rotation, they had a hole in the bullpen and they correctly thought that the, the rotation was a bigger problem and that they would be able to address the bullpen in other ways. And of, and of course they did adding the trio at the deadline. So, um, I think he deserves a lot of credit for my money. He's the, uh, front office executive of the year, whatever the award is. Um, he's done a great job. And, and as you alluded to, um, just a lot of guys stepping up really all year long, uh, to get this team to win what'll be close to a hundred games. Yeah, a lot went right, and uh, a lot a lot always has to go right to win, unless you're the Astros and you're just an absolute juggernaut or the Dodgers. A lot has to go right to win 100 games or close to it. But, I mean, in addition to all of the new faces that happened during the season, Mike Soroka jumping from like a 30-inning pitcher in his whole career and basically being a Cy Young-caliber guy for a full season. Uh, worth noting, Julio, Julio Tehran pitching quite well in terms of ERA and the way that he was able to navigate innings. Um but, you know, the top four guys, knock on wood, all staying healthy. Josh Donaldson being a healthy, awesome player, wire to wire, which was not like unforeseeable, but it happened and he played a ton of games. All those guys played a ton of games. Um, just a lot of positive things happened. And by the way, it wasn't like it was all roses. You know, the Arroyo's Fiscaino mess, AJ Minter falling apart. Mike Fultonavich has been good lately. We'll talk about him later, but his first half was a mess. Sean Newcomb was a mess early on. Like A lot of things went wrong, too. It wasn't like they batted a 1,000 on everything breaking right. I do think that more broke right than broke wrong, but you have to have that. That's just the way the way this stuff works. And yeah. the, and, and also, the awesome players played awesome baseball, like Ronald Acuna breaking out in a big way. We, we knew that was going to come, but it, it happened. Freddie Freeman having you know effectively a career season. Ozzy Albies is like a four-and-a-half win player. Like He's, he's awesome. So, you know. Things went right, man, but they have to. And this is a, a team now that we were talking about this before we started recording, but um, all the systems, part of this has to do with the Braves and the position that they're in as a team that's already clinched um, and not having to play in a wild card game. But they now are sitting fourth in all the, all the World Series odds. This is a team that's now like, you know, we all, we always, we thought this already, but I think nationally is now seen as like a real puncher's chance team to make it to the World Series. And that's. Yeah. It's a different place than we thought they were going to be, man. Even if I thought, even if you'd asked me or told me that they're going to win the division back in May, I would have thought it was going to be like a 91 win team that, you know, had to play all the way to the end and really, really scratch and claw, but they clinched with more than a week to go. Like, man, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. And even though they, you know, they clinched what 10 days before the final regular season day, um, we've known, <laughs> you talked about kind of joking with Eric, we've yeah. known weeks. I mean, once they, one on that stretch to extend it to nine or 10 games at the beginning of September. It was, was, it really was just a numbers game. I mean, barring catastrophic injuries to multiple top players, um, they were going to do it. I know history are always a little uh, hesitant. If, if, you're, if you're an Atlanta yeah. sports fan, you all, you, everybody felt my pain. I, I, I got a lot of messages. Some of them made fun of me last week. And again, I was playing it up a little bit. But if you're an Atlanta sports fan, uh, you know, I, if nothing, even if you're only a Braves fan, 
you you can't help but remember the uh, the Freddie the Freddie Gonzalez led collapse just a, just a few years ago. It wasn't that long ago. It wasn't yeah. a ten game collapse, but it was a, a significant September swoon. So at least have that in your head. But yeah, I mean, to, for the most part, we kind of we've we've known for three weeks. I would say that it was yeah. f- fairly over. Um, it just wasn't fully over until now. And now now I can talk about it without any reservation, which is nice. Yeah, no, it'll be a lot of fun. It was as we talked about. It was such a such a fun team to root for. One of the most likable teams I can recall, um, not just of recent memory, but you know, dating back to those great teams in the '90s. This team was just so much fun. A lot of great characters on it. Um, easy to root for. A couple of great guys. And we talk about um, the support, which was uh, shown during one of the games over the weekend for Charlie Culverson, and yeah, just cool. how much the team rallied around him, and and he was choking up. Um, I know some some of the kids from the children's hospital made him a sign and, and you could just tell it was, you know, it's more to these guys than just, um, you know, fellow millionaires who go they spend six months out of the year with and hit or throw a baseball. Um, there really does seem to be a genuine connection in the clubhouse. And that's something um, Alex and Topless really believes in. And, and they've done, obviously, a, a terrific job building it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talk about snicker quite a bit but credit to him for fostering that atmosphere that's that's of course his claim to fame is the fact that he's a fantastic clubhouse manager a player's manager and uh that sets the stage for that too i mean it's i i do think that some of the stuff can be overrated at times but it does matter especially in baseball when it's every single day for months and you have to like each other it really helps if you like each other anyway you don't have to i suppose if you're just that <laughs> talented but yeah. uh it, it it can't be ignored like it does matter to have a clubhouse that works the way that the Braves clubhouse seemingly does where everybody seems to care and uh snicker is in uh, is in charge of that and uh, deserves a ton of credit for it so um that's that's that i mean we will uh, obviously look ahead um a little this week's kind of a weird limbo week they they of course clinch and we talk about that now for you know 15 minutes or so um I'm, we're gonna save most of our like playoff preview stuff for next week because that's what's going to happen next week. Um, we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. So just know we've not forgotten to talk about next next week in the playoffs, but we have another week of regular season games to navigate, and there's actually some news to hit on. Um, so, uh, Scott, if you don't have anything else that you wanted to share on the division celebration, we can uh, pivot. No. no, yeah, let's get to it. Um, you know what? We're going to break. We're going to break real quick, and then we'll come back and we'll talk more about um, stuff like that. So hold on. Here's a word from our sponsors. All right, Scott, we're back, and uh, let's dive in to, uh, to the normal portion of the podcast, I suppose, and uh, some news. First one, for me anyway, the biggest news, even if it's not that big of a news, we'll see. It's kind of a coin flip at this point. Um, Freddie Freeman is hurting right now, which is noteworthy considering he's you know the face of the franchise and an awesome baseball player. Um, he was clearly laboring today, apparently, um, with the elbow, and he's not going to go to Kansas City for this two-gamer this week. Um, that, of course, has very little impact because the division is sewn up and they're not really going to catch the Dodgers, so I don't really care about that. But the last 10 games, Freddie's not been Freddie. Um, he has a slugging percentage of 138 in the last 10 games. Granted, it's a very, very small sample size, but um, that in conjunction with what is clearly bothering him right now with the elbow issue, um, are you worried at all? We talked about this last week with Eric, and I kind of downplayed it a little bit, but now that we've seen him labor with it a little bit more, and they're, you know, again, I don't care about him missing games this week because the games don't matter, and I, I'm not sure he would be missing the games if they did matter, but it isn't great to have, you know, if not your best player, certainly one of your best two or three players, um, not at 100% as uh, the playoffs arrive. And, you know, the, this week is nice. But are you worried at all about Freddie? Um, you know, I think worried, sure. I mean, I wish he was healthy. I wish he was out there uh, this final week hitting the ball. But he clearly hasn't been right. 
uh, for the last week or so, maybe two weeks even. Um, but this is one of the luxuries of clinching your division with 10 games to go in the regular season. Um, it also helps that they have two built-in off days on Monday and Thursday. So not that it really, these games mean basically nothing as far as playoff seating and all that. So don't, um, don't travel to Kansas city for no reason. Basically is what this, <laughs> what, yeah, what, what, really, what you're hoping this is just stay. I mean, pretty. it's, it's going to be a situation of the starting pitcher. I at least would expect to throw, you know, 75, 80 pitches, five innings, give or take, um, you know, you pull your regulars in the sixth or seventh inning. Um, you don't want, if, if it is a close game late, you don't want Brian McCann sprinting around the bases. You, you pull him. Um, speak for, speak for yourself, Scott. I, <laughs> I like to watch Brian McCann sprint around the bases for entertainment possible. purposes. I guess you could leave him out there, but, um, <laughs> but when you have the effectively the two seed locked up in the playoffs, um, you want to be smart. I, I think we, we were talking a little bit after, uh, the team clinch that you want to see maybe three or four of the regular starters out there every day. Um, the other three or four sitting on the bench and you rotate them in kind of like spring training lineups. If you will, you don't want guys to just sit for days on end and not play, but you also want to make sure that they're not out there every single game. And, and all of a sudden someone foul fouls a ball off their ankle and they're hobbled. Um, someone has a serious injury and then you're really in trouble. So to get back to Freddie, it's not ideal, but um, he seemed pretty confident that anytime he gets treatment and gets a little time off, he mentioned there was an off day last week and his elbow was feeling a little better after that. Hopefully, if he really takes it easy the f- next four days or so in Atlanta, doesn't have to travel um, and can really kind of get his work in in the training room, uh, he gets back to to as close to 100% as he's going to be. It seems like it's been a thing that's bugged him for, for a while. And, and he's as you said, he's kind of Iron Man. He doesn't miss games usually. Um, but for him to miss a couple of meaningless games in Kansas City to hopefully get him right for the playoffs is is obviously a uh, of utmost importance. Yeah, it's it's important to note as you did that you know he gets four days off here, not just two, and that that's a, a very nice quirk of the schedule right now for the Braves to not have to worry too much. Um, and you know, getting four days, he's going to meet the team in New York for the for the weekend, and uh, you know, I would hope the plan would be for him to play. Friday maybe if he's ready to go and then maybe take it easy Saturday and Sunday but then you get some more time off because you win the division you don't have to play Monday and you know there's there's a lots of I, I think that um whether Brian Snicker would rest these guys enough is up for debate but the schedule kind of allows him to not have to worry about it right now because they have so many off days between you know Monday Thursday and then you know one or two early next week that kind of allows you to not have to worry about it. Like Snicker, I guess, told the media today, I want to say it was, that was reported after he played um, basically two punt lineups in a row Saturday and Sunday. Uh, he had, um, you know, most of the regulars out uh, yesterday and the other ones that, um, you know, Donaldson and and Ronnie that were that actually played Saturday did not play Sunday. But then he told the media that he was going to go with the regulars basically on Tuesday in Kansas City. That, that of course, does not include Freddie, but you can get away with that when you don't play Monday and you don't play Thursday. Um, so that's nice to see. There's not really a worry about guys getting overworked and um, no reason to play these guys hard. But, yeah, I mean – to your point about Freddie, we'll see. He's going to play. We know that about Freeman. Unless his arm's going to fall off, he's going to be out there. You just, you know, looking big picture, you're going to need Freddie Freeman being all capital letters Freddie Freeman to make the run you want to make. And uh, he hasn't been that guy for the last couple of weeks. So hopefully this four-game stretch, well, sorry, four-day stretch, uh, helps him to get healthy because, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it seems pretty obvious, but you need him to be him. Yeah, yeah, get him right, get him some treatment. Um it, it, yeah, that, I think that's you well just said. kind of cross your finger. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you just kind of cross your fingers and hope that in uh, what however many days we are away from the game one of the NLDS, ten days, I think it is now, 
Um, you just hope that he's, like you said, all caps Freddie Freeman, or at least semi-caps Freddie Freeman, because he, he needs to be uh, as close to 100% as possible if the Braves want to make a run. Yep, he's going to need to be there, and that's uh, very obvious to say. Um, otherwise, on the injury front, uh, the other guy that's, I guess, twisting in the wind a little bit is, is Ender Enciarte. Now that Marquecas is back and uh, looks to be just fine, um, Enciarte is the one guy that's you know kind of a, a mystery at the moment. Uh, Mark Bowman reported early this week that Enciarte could be back for the Royal Series, but now it's going to be, it looks like, uh, Friday against New York is the new, is the new plan for Ender. Um, for what it's worth, Bowman included Enciarte on his roster projection for the playoffs that came out on Sunday night, um, and Bowman's pretty plugged in, so we'll see what that uh, amounts to, but you know, there was a caveat in the write-up about Ender needing to prove that he was healthy, um, even if it's just as a uh, as a role player, because I, I, the, the feeling that I am getting at the moment, at least from reading between the lines, is that I don't think Ender can do enough in his, you know, two or three games over the weekend to prove that he is ready to start in the playoffs. I think if they carry Ender, it's going to be more as a role player. I could be wrong about that, but it feels like they are planning to go with Ronnie in center field um, when they get there. Um, I could be wrong again. And by the way, it's worth noting that the Cardinals, the team that the Braves are widely projected to play now in the first round of the playoffs, have no left-handed starters, which would take away Ender's biggest weakness, uh, is that he can't hit, is that he doesn't hit lefties very well. Um, he'd be pretty interesting to roll out there against a right-handed starting pitcher in center field. But um, again, it's it's kind of we don't know until we see what he looks like. And unfortunately for Ender, he's only going to have a maximum of two or three games to prove himself. And it's just a weird spot. He's been out for so long that I'm not sure how much you can trust. I know I know Marquecas came back and had a couple of uh, nice games right away, but then he cooled off too and um, overall hasn't been lights out either. So, But at least he had two weeks of time to prove himself. Ender's going to have maybe three games at an absolute yeah. maximum, probably only two. I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, you know, with Ender, the, the obvious upside to having him healthy, and that's the big thing, especially with a – you know, a quad injury, it's something you really have to be careful with. As we saw, he came back and then heard it almost instantaneously, um, is is the defense. I mean, that, that becomes such an important part of, of October baseball. And, yeah, if he's hit batting eighth, it's, I guess he won't kill you in that spot. But you said he is going to face righties primarily against, the, against presumably the Cardinals, which helps his case. Um, but even if he's a fourth outfielder, I think there's some value to him. The trade-off of Ender is starting, of course, is that you are losing Matt Joyce. And I think if you don't have Matt Joyce in the lineup, especially against righties, um, there's a significant drop-off. Because I would I'm not going to make the joke about the fact that yeah, it, shouldn't, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be I'm, as obvious as everybody thinks it's going to be. But yeah. uh, it will be, though. We know, we know it will be. It so. so, yeah, I mean, I think with, with Joyce, I, th- I think realistically you can make a pretty easy argument that he's your fifth-best hitter. Um, in the lineup after the big four against right-handed pitching right now. And yep. and that's who you're going to lose. I, I mean, let's be honest here. Um, so there, there's going to be that, that way. Now, maybe Ender comes back and looks terrific against the Mets. And not that you want to evaluate three games as a whether or not you're going to put a guy on the playoff roster, but uh, they know. I mean, they know how he's feeling. They know how his batting practice looks. They know how he looks in his workouts. Um, maybe he looks great. Maybe he comes up and... Uh, goes one for nine in two games and they go, well, we're going to carry him, but he's not really going to play other than a, a late inning defensive option. So um, it's, it's not the worst thing to get a three time gold Glover coming back in the last week of the year yeah. and see how he's doing, especially the way uh, he was swinging with a vengeance. Once he got healthy about a month ago, um, you know, maybe I mean, he's... Se- second half ender is a thing. Apparently yeah. uh, second half ender at the plate has always been 
better than first defender. It is. It's worth noting. You know, the defense has clearly been his calling card his entire career, even when he was hitting um, at his peak level, which was still like a you know somewhat below, a somewhat above average hitter. Um, his defense has always been there. Um, it is worth noting that they had Billy Hamilton, and Billy Hamilton is a really bad hitter, but Billy Hamilton is a really good fielder. So you have a poor man's Enciarte um, on your roster for defense, and of course Hamilton. I would imagine his primary role on the team in um, October will be pinch running, but I sure hope so. But his defense is really good. So if you if you have yeah. to if you didn't have Ender for some reason, if Ender comes back and he's, he's and he's not himself, he's not ready to go. You do have your late inning defensive replacement center fielder on the roster in Hamilton if you needed that. So that that's a little bit of, an, of insurance. But you know, obviously the team is better. The team is better set up with Ender on it. Um, you know, it would be nicer if they had another right-handed bat somewhere that you really, really trusted. You have Adam Duvall and Austin Riley are your two guys in the outfield, and you know that's not great. But um, Ender just helps because he does a lot of things well, and uh, we'll see if he's ready to go because uh, you know. And uh, <laughs> it's interesting. I haven't seen too much made of it, but you know, your outfield defense is not ideal if you're playing Marquecas and Joyce in your two corner spots. Um, particularly, you know, Ronnie is fine in center, but he's not ender. He's not prime ender anyway in center. Um, so with, with the way that Marquecas has been adjusting to left field, not that well. He's I think he's made three pretty bad diving attempts that yeah. have let balls go to the wall in a week. Um, it's a small sample size, and I think, I think he'll be fine in general, but... Obviously, routeful defense greatly improves if you move Ronnie to right field and you're playing uh, or, or Ronnie to left, left field, wherever you want to put him, and you're playing ender and center. That's just, it's very clearly better. So, yeah. Not a small thing. No, no. I mean, hey, if he comes back, all the better if, if he's the ender that we expect, um, or at least the guy he was before he hurt himself against the Dodgers a month ago, then that really helps. But if he's not ready, at least, at least they have a little bit of depth. Maybe you don't feel quite as good about it, but you do have, um, you do have some, some, playable depth that um that you you feel fine rolling out in a playoff game uh whatever that role may be yeah and for what it's worth um bowman's new projection has three catchers on it that's gone back and forth it has cervelli um and not austin riley um it's just for what it's worth it's got no no riley but it does have ender and cervelli that's just one thing and he's been updating this every week or so but um that's the latest so take from that what you will but, I would uh, like to see Austin Riley play just about every day this week. And, and uh, yeah, Freddy. I mean, uh, for me, I'd like to see all of the guys. I mean, anybody you have a question about? Like, I think Marquez, they're feeling okay about now. He's played enough, and I think he just he's himself now, which is nice to have that insurance. But yeah, I mean, I'd love to see what Riley can do. I think, you know, getting Duvall some played appearances is not a worst thing in the world either. Keep him ready to go, and. uh yeah, Riley's probably the clearest example. Dansby's another another issue at the moment that we could we should probably touch on a little a little bit. There's there's now a movement out there that would like to see Hetchevaria as the game one playoff starter. That's that's how bad Dansby has been at the plate for long enough now. I am not there, just for the record. I am not quite there yet. I would still play Dansby just for the, the pedigree angle and I just don't believe in Hetchevaria's bat long term. But you know, if you wanna be I, I'm, I would not yell at you. The difference now between between now and two weeks ago is that if you want to argue for Hetch, I'm not going to scream at you. Where, whereas I still would pick Dansby in game one. He's another guy that you just would love to see something from in the next five games somewhere. It'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted it um, earlier today as Dansby had another bad day. He made an error, a routine ball that got past him. Um I mean, I, I am not the Atlanta Braves manager, but if the playoffs started tomorrow, I I almost kind of lean towards... You're Hitch not the Maria only one. I mean, I, 
I thought I thought that was you. I couldn't remember if it was you that said that. Yeah. I know Josh, a good friend of the program over for, from seven seven five five Battery Avenue, has been saying that too. Um, I'm not upset with you guys on this one. I, I would still go Dansby, but that it, honestly, it just goes to show how bad he's been that we're having this discussion. Like that, it's, it, it seems absolutely insane to have this discussion right now, but it's not unreasonable because he's been just dreadful. It's, yeah, and I hope for the sake of you talk about guys who should play every day this week. I hope Dansby plays at least four or five days because he needs, yes, his his ceiling is far higher than Hechevarria. There's a reason Hechevarria has bounced around um, throughout his entire career. But right now, I mean, it's not even it, it's not even like Dansby's in one of those stretches where um, notoriously he seems to just be hitting line drives all over the place. I mean, no. he's he's striking out a ton. He's he. I don't think he's hit a home run since he's come back. Um, I think he has maybe two extra base hits since he's come back, which is a couple of weeks at this point now. Um, so there are some serious, serious issues. And some people uh, kind of rolled their eyes whenever I, I I said it earlier, and they said, "Oh no way, you're you're overreacting." But uh, you know, if Dansby has another four or five bad days as he's had in the last three or four bad weeks, I, I don't know. D- does Snit not roll with with the guy who th- obviously was so helpful early on? But I think it's at least. A conversation and that's yeah. not something we would have expected a couple months ago yeah i'm, I'm with you I, I think it's a little bit reactionary but at the same time i totally understand it and just just for some context this is before today in which he was bad like you just said in the 21 games before today since he came back from the injury he uh, had a slash line of 143 294 186 and ops of 480 in 21 games it's it's a fairly small sample size obviously about 85 plate appearances but that's not it's not good. Um, and if you were to extend that out a little bit more to whether to, to before he got injured, it's even uh, I think it's just as bad. Yeah, he has a 470 OPS in the last 30 games, um, and that that spreads out back to July. But you know, it's just not it's not been very good. I I, th- I tend to think that Snicker, given his given the way that he operates, is going to do everything in his power to have it be Dansby. I think he would have to be, you know, he's going to err towards his guy. I would imagine. But it's it would be nice to just see some flash somewhere. I'm with you. Like I'd be playing Dansby, maybe not every day, but I think you can play him every day because of all the time built into the schedule. You can play him every day, and I won't yell about it. Like I'm the guy who famously gets mad if they overuse guys, and I thought they overused guys this whole season. Honestly, the top guys. But now you have so many days off. You have Monday off. You have Thursday off, and then by the way, you get three days next week. You don't play till Thursday next week. With the way yeah. the schedule lays out, so you have some, you have some options. Go yeah. ahead and play him if he shows you something. If you want, if you want, if you want to keep Hetch hot, just play him at second base. Like it's, mm-hmm. you can give Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy can have days off. It's totally fine. So if you want to, if that, if you're worried about that, that's not that's not a problem. Hetch Free's defense is is pretty solid. So, you know, I still lean Dansby, but I want to at least bring that up quickly because that's been a talking point, and I can't get mad at anybody who's talking about it because he's been that bad. Yeah. No, I mean, and I want to make sure it's clear. Like, I want Dansby to be the starting shortstop. He he deserves it. He's he's been part of this rebuild, and he's been a really good player at times for the Braves. But um, I, I hope he shows something over the next five games because he just has not been good over the last couple weeks. Yep, I can confirm that in a big way. Um, other other than that, there's not a ton more news. Uh, I guess John Ryan Murphy's worth bringing up because he got the roster spot when Culberson was put on the 60-day to Yale. But now that Cervelli seems to be back in earnest after the laceration that he had, that's not really a problem anymore. Um, where are you on the three-catcher thing, real quickly? Would you carry three? Um, I mean, I would probably... 
not knowing how Ender is going to do and, and just well, a couple other things, but yeah. like, I, I don't love it. Um, here, but- here's the, here, here's the caveat. Let me, let me give you the caveat. What, if we, assu- if we assume that Brian Snicker will be Brian Snicker and the Bobby Cox tree and refuse to use his, to use his backup catcher, does that change your mind? Cause he, cause um, I mean, going, going back forever, if they don't have three catchers, he is not going to use Brian McCann or Tyler Flowers. Whoever's not playing that day, that he, that that guy will be emergency only. Yeah, I mean, I think it, for me, I, because you have Billy Hamilton presumably on the playoff roster, if it is a close game and Flowers or McCann get on base and they don't automatically pinch run with Billy Hamilton, unless it's like two outs and, right. and you know, I don't want to say automatically. Within, within reason. Within, within reason. reason, there is... He, that is his entire purpose for being on the roster. Where <laughs> he is, Terrence one, Gore. he is Terrence Gore, basically. That's that is really his is. role. So if you assume that if any of those guys get on base, and granted, that's far from a guarantee the way they've been going lately. Um, but if you assume that they are going to get pinch run for Billy Hamilton, um, I, I I've always leaned of the probability of your your number two catcher getting hurt is so low. Like how many times all year? You never hear about, oh, well, the team used their backup catcher in a pinch hitting role and then the catcher got hurt and they had to use – like how many times this year has an emergency catcher needed been needed? Uh, like, very, very few. But yeah. – and that's why I bring it up because like with, if it's me, I'm not carrying three catchers under most circumstances. But if it's me, I wouldn't be as stingy to use the, the backup catcher as Snicker and Bobby before him are. They just, they yeah. just don't want to do it. And, and I – Honestly, they might get bailed out because Cervelli is way better than your typical third catcher. Like Cervelli is a real bat. You, mm-hmm. you you could certainly argue that Cervelli is as good or a or better of a bat than a lot of your bench guys are. So if it was John Ryan Murphy, this would be I would hope a super easy decision. Like oh, last easy. year, last year easy. they carried Rene Rivera, which part of that was just having no bench. And part of that was that they wanted three catchers. But I do think that Cervelli being a real player is very helpful for this to where if they carry a third catcher, I won't be bothered by it in the way that I would have been if it was like a bad third catcher. Okay. So let me ask you this. There's bases loaded ninth inning Braves are down by two and it's a right-handed pitcher on the mound. Would you rather have Francisco Cervelli or would you rather have Austin Riley at the plate? A right-handed pitcher. Yep. Uh, without having Cervelli's splits in front of me, I'm, I, my reaction was to say Cervelli. I'm pulling them up now just to make sure I'm not insane. Um, yeah, I like mean, if it was a lefty, I think Riley's the answer. Unless She's you need, lefty. unless you need it, unless yeah, I think I guess lefty, particularly if you need a home and that, and that spot you need power being down two. But yeah, I'm looking at Cervelli's splits. Yeah, I think certainly you would go to Cervelli against Riley. I would sure. So if it's if you're facing uh, Carlos Martinez in the ninth inning of a tie game and you have bases loaded and you need or you're down by one and you need a hit I think I would take Cervelli over Austin Riley maybe I'm in the minority maybe you are too but I, that's kind of the way I've leaned over the last couple weeks so I don't know I, I think he's um, he's not as good of a framer as Tyler Flowers is and, and Brian McCann I think is just somebody who just has a lot of pull with the young pitchers and a guy who you kind of want out there when the when the you know what hits the fan um, but no, I'm, if Cervelli's on the playoff roster, I am totally fine with it, whether he's used as a hitter or as more of the emergency guy in case they do have to pinch run for Flowers or McCann, um, I would be more than fine with it. 
Yep. All right. Just wanted to make sure how we uh, felt on that one. Um, let's see. What else is there to talk about? Oh, I wanted to bring up, we'll pivot a little bit hard on this one. Um, Mike Fulton, which we, we teased this a little bit earlier, but Fulty is now Fulty again. Um, just for some numbers that I want to throw at you. Um, since he came back from his uh, long sojourn that, include, that, inclu- that included Gwinnett for a while, uh, nine starts for Fulty. 53 and two-thirds innings, a 2.35 ERA with 50 strikeouts and 16 walks, which is really, really good, obviously. It's even better than that lately. His last seven starts, 42 and a third innings, 1.49 ERA, 36 strikeouts. So yeah, um, I am skeptical that Fulty is this good, but uh, is Fulty back? Because if Fulty's back and Fulty again, this rotation is a lot easier to enjoy <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. you don't have to... I think if you trusted Fulty to be Fulty again, he is clearly your game three starter. Mm-hmm. So that takes away one decision that you presumably had maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And now yeah. you only have the one decision. And that's basically, do you want to have Max Free be a long man in game one and two? Or do you want Max Free to start game four? That that, that becomes your decision if you trust that Fulty is back. So is Fulty back? You know, his his slider has been really good since he came back. It's been much more like the pitch it was last year during his breakout campaign than what it was the first couple months of this year. And I, I never really believed that Mike was fully healthy. He, of course, was held back in the spring with some injuries and just didn't look like the same guy. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if he's like back back, like to the point where you can kind of pencil him in for being a legitimate frontline starter. But, yeah, if, if I would much rather hand him the ball right now in a playoff game scenario than um, Max Freed, who's been a little Jekyll and Hyde over the last month. Um, my concerns with Julio Tehran against good lineups have been well documented. I was going to say, that, that's the real um, question. It's, the real question is Fulty versus, uh, versus Julio, honestly. Yeah, and I don't want to turn this into the you know Julio Tehran bash session, but nope. right now, if, if they're playing game three against the Cardinals tomorrow in St. Louis, I would 10 times out of 10 take Fulty over Julio. I don't think that's a, you know, a hot take at this point, yeah, the way that, that Mike has looked, but, um, no, I mean, he's, he's clearly a different guy than he was when he was struggling early on this year. Um, a guy who does have some playoff starting experience too. He started game one, of course, it didn't necessarily go super well last year on the road, but <laughs> did no. start, did start, uh, two games. He started game one and game four, if I believe, if, uh, memory serves. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, he's shown that um, he's made he's been able to make some adjustments on the fly this season. He's not throwing as hard, um, which I'm guessing is by design. I would almost bet money it's by design that he's not throwing quite as hard as what he used to. He can still ramp it up to the upper 90s, but he's been sitting more like 95 than 97, 98. Um, so, yeah, he's he's good. I feel good about him. I hope he uh, gets some work in whenever he, I think he's scheduled to start against the Mets uh, next weekend. But. I, I feel good where Mike is right now, and I think the Braves do too. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, my guard is up a little bit, but there's enough evidence now. It's not that small of a sample where I think he's just pitching well, and that's a good thing, obviously, for the rotation. You know, while we're here, Snicker did al- did allude to the fact that they're going to keep an eye on the, the endings, particularly for Soroka and Freed. They clearly had a quick hook on on Freed over the weekend with good reason. The game didn't matter, and he he was he, he pitched great on Saturday. But they clearly did not want him to go deep into that game and throw a lot of pitches. That's a good decision, in my opinion. There's no reason whatsoever, you know. The, I guess the decision for the Braves is whether to skip them outright or just have them stay on on schedule and just pitch them less. They seem to be choosing the second option, which is fine. I'm not a an expert on how to handle pitching. Um, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not that guy, but 
I'm I'm just glad that they're thinking a little bit, not just running those guys out there for their for their typical workloads. If they think that keeping those guys on schedule and pitching less is the, is the move, then that's fine. But I was just I was reassured that free was incredible on Saturday, like just lights out, and they still took him out, and that was good. I just yeah. they don't need, they don't need, they don't need to put they don't need to, especially Soroka is even more important because he's been your guy all season long, and uh, he seems to be just fine. But just keeping him going in the best possible way. Um, you know, is important because they're going to need him to be him, just like yeah. Brady. <laughs> no, I mean, and truly, and I think that it, it's again, it's a benefit of clinching so early. Um, even Dallas Keuchel, I mean, today I yeah. thought they left him out there a little too long. Um, he kind of got hit around a little bit in the sixth, and and I get it. I mean, you the you only don't yeah, the only upside there is that he at least he's a veteran that got a late start, and I think yeah. he he probably has more of a feel for his arm and his, his readiness than a young guy sure. would. But yeah, I I, agree. I mean I wasn't watching today, but I was I was reading people and kind of hearing the murmurs like why is he still in the game? Um, and I, I'm with that. I think I I would always err towards getting the guy out of there because there's just no reason right now to pitch anybody more than they should be pitching because you have a million arms in the bullpen, including all the young guys. It doesn't really matter. But yeah, and I think with Keuchel too. I mean he's somebody who. Uh, I mean, I, obviously, you kind of see how the game's going, but ideally, he's not pitching past the fifth or sixth inning. I mean, you want him, he's been really good this year, uh, for the most part, the first two times through the order, but where he's gotten hit around in some games is the third time through. And as we've talked uh, ad nauseum about just how playoffs, you know, sometimes guys only throw three or four innings and then they're done. Um, he's somebody who I hope that uh, perfect scenario, Braves get an early lead, Keiko throws five, and then you hand it over to. Uh, Melanson, Green, Martin, Newcomb, and in, in the bullpen. Yep, sounds about right. Um, I guess you know that's in terms of big stuff. That's kind of yeah it. I mean, Ronald Acuna hitting his fourth home, fortieth home runs worth noting. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, obviously the forty forty chase has been getting all the headlines, but just hitting forty home runs at his age is insane. Uh, he's the third player in Major League history to hit forty home runs in their twenty in their age twenty one season or younger. Um, and the the other two guys, Eddie Matthews, former Brave, and Mel Ott, are Hall of Famers. So <laughs> decent, yeah, decent uh, company. Yeah, that's kind of speaks for itself. It's not really anything like to discuss. It's just more of like a Ronald Acuna's incredible thing. You think he's going to get it this week with the, with the, with the Steels or no? I, I think that if I mean we'll see how he you know it sounds like Tuesday they're going to play everybody. I would. Like, okay, even against the Giants, he wasn't really running. Like, you, he had the opportunity. Yeah, there was the one game, it was it was like 6 nothing, and there was the unwritten rule talk that was out there. Yeah. Like, oh, he can't steal now. I'm like, why? What are we, yeah. what no, are we if doing? He, especially against the Mets, who have like the worst, I think the Mets have like the worst uh, percentage of runners thrown out this year. Oh, yeah, year, it's so. basically like Tyler Flowers, but on steroids every night for the Mets. Like, yeah, Yeah. so, you know, if he gets a game or two against the Royals, um, yeah, I mean, he gets on first base, whoever's batting second, whether it's Albies or Pechferia or whoever it is, like, they need to at least give Ronnie the chance. Now, maybe he tries and gets thrown out twice, and it's like, you know what, let's not let's not embarrass, <laughs> you know, let, let's not go out of our way to try to make this happen. But I, if I'm him, and I, and I think the Braves are obviously cognizant of the fact that he has some a chance to do something really special, um, yeah, get on base and let him run. Yeah, um, yeah but even if he doesn't get it, you know, 4035 or 4037 or 30 it's all kind of insane so he's been incredible um 4040 you know has the cachet that it has but just the fact that he's been this good this early is not breaking any new ground here but he's been incredible um okay let's look ahead a little bit again not not to full playoff mode 
But just as a uh, sort of a, a recap, at the moment, the Braves are four and a half games behind the Dodgers. It's not over, but uh, it would be a shock to everyone everywhere if the Braves were the number one seed. So number two seed looks incredibly likely. And at this moment, the Cardinals have a three-game lead on the Brewers with six to go. Um, so that's not insurmountable either. But, you know, is it 90% or more that the, Braves, the Braves play the Cardinals in the first round? It's, it feels that way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's closer to like 95%. Um... Yeah, it would take a colossal collapse for the Cardinals, who just came off a big sweep over the Cubs. So it would be a uh, <laughs> big-time shock, obviously, if, if they didn't finish this out. Yeah, it, it would be um, quite surprising in that case. And obviously, we'll talk more about the Cardinals next week, um, when and if it is the Cardinals. And it, it should be, um, you know, the one thing we did say before is the lack of a left-handed starting pitcher. That's probably good all things considered for this Braves team considering um yeah. the strengths of Marquecas, Joyce and Inciarte. Um it does limit Adam Duvall but I think you'll make you'll make that trade off 100 times out of 100. And, and even by, yeah, even Duvall's hit pretty well against righties. Yeah, like he's he, he's, he's not a, he's not a, a full-blown disaster split guy. He's just clearly better against lefties, but that's not a problem. Yeah. He's that's why he's on the team at the moment is to just be the he's he's the antidote to uh Joyce basically and Marquecas mm-hmm. is going to play every day anyway, but yeah. Um, oh, the one thing oh, I forgot to talk about this, and I guess we'll just do it right now, real, quick, real quickly. Uh, the one, the one surprise on uh, on Mark Bowman's uh, playoff roster projection uh, was Darren O'Day over Luke Jackson. Mm. Uh, thoughts on that? That that that's that stunned me a little in the fact that we've been pro Luke Jackson on this podcast. The hate went way too far for a while there on Luke, um, and O'Day was just out of my life for so for so long. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's not that crazy because O'Day is a vet and he's been fine since he got since he finally got back. But did that surprise you at all? That that little uh, tidbit. I mean, it's just one yeah one write up from Bowman once. I'm not like saying that it's that's, that it's going to happen, but it just it surprised me a little bit. Yeah, you know, Luke Jackson's funny because you watch him pitch, and I swear to God, the guy gives up more soft hit singles or like doubles down the line that more than anybody else I've ever seen. Like truly, like he has some of the worst luck. I can recall of any reliever. Um, it, it was it was effort. genuinely comical when he, when he was doing the closing role. When it was it'd be there was three or four outings in a row where he didn't hit the like, let, let the ball get hit hard once, and it was just like three yeah. run, three run, three runs. Luke <laughs> City, yeah. So Even, I mean, I mean today of, he gave up another run, and it was like, all right, well, I guess, and that might have been the straw that, bro- that broke Bowman's back. I have to ask Mark about that, but I, I wonder if uh, he wrote that up after the game today and was like, oh, another run for Luke, get him out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, you don't want to. So yeah, I mean, it's a difference between in the regular season, you kind of trust process over results, right? You're like, oh no, he'll be okay. It, it's just soft contact. But then in the playoff series, you you don't have that luxury of oh no, he'll be fine. He'll be out there in a couple days. You just hope the soft contact doesn't get him. So. Um, it, I mean, it wouldn't stun me. Part of it is, at least for me, right now you have three really good right-handed relievers with Martin, Green, and Melanson, who you feel pretty good with. So those guys are going to be your horses. So you're really thinking more about either like a sixth inning role or if you're going to play the matchups in like the seventh inning or something like that. So um, if they go with O'Day as kind of a specialty right-handed guy, I guess it's not like a complete stunner. Um, but there's, there's only so many playoff spots or so many roster spots in the playoffs. And I mean, that's it. Honestly, that's it. There's not really another barring an injury or something weird this week. It really is a one versus one there because they're going to carry Blevins almost certainly. 
and he's good. I mean, he, he's a legitimate left-handed. I mean, the, yeah, I'm they, just saying because the the other the other four spots are Melanson, Green, Martin, and Newcomb. Those guys are absolute locks. So it's I, if we assume Blevins, I I can't imagine they're carrying another reliever. It's got it's basically O'Day versus Jackson at this point. It looks like to me anyway. Yeah, I, I don't really see anybody else who would even be in the conversation. Unless, unless, unless you carry both of them and just carry twelve pitchers, that, that's just so many pitchers. Like you don't need that. I don't know. It's, no. So that's it. It, it feels like it's a. It yeah. feels like it's a one versus one, and we've been assuming. At least I've been assuming it's Jackson the whole time, but maybe not. I mean, O'Day is a vet. Maybe maybe they want to lean on the veteran. I'm not sure. It's weird. I would like to see if that's. I mean, who knows? Maybe this is just kind of Bowman. Like, yeah, well, I've, I haven't projected O'Day yet. Let me get him in. Yeah, cool. I don't know. I mean, it could be anything. Mark Mark could be. I tend to think that he's not doing anything on accident in this particular column because he does hear things that we're just not going to hear. But it also could just be like a coin flip. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and again, if if they that's the way they're they're feeling, I would hope because so far O'Day has primarily been used in you know to face one batter, face two batters. You know, if if you're going to be on a playoff roster, you like to think that they can handle a full inning by themselves. If you know, if if the Braves are up seven to two in the sixth inning one game. You know, you want to feel decently confident that if you call Darren O'Day's number, that he can handle a couple batters, right? He's not going to be limited. He seems to be throwing pretty similarly to how he was before all the injuries hit. So, you know, if he's healthy, let him let him have a full inning or two over this week, especially when the games don't mean a whole lot. If he goes out there and bombs and gives up a three-run homer, it, you know, you're, you're not out anything. But if you are really thinking about him in a playoff row, I'd like to see him really uh, kind of get some burn and, and see what he looks like when he has to throw 15 or 20 pitches. Yep, that's just something to keep an eye on this week. And uh, I meant to mention it earlier and I forgot, so uh, there you go. Well, Scott, we've we've come to the end, I think. Um, I think I have a feeling you and I will be talking quite a bit in the next couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, we've covered a lot of ground. Anything that you wanted to get on the record before the final week of the regular season? And, uh, no. We're just almost there. <laughs> get in and get out and get healthy. I mean, that's, that's really all it is. Uh, no injuries. Let's hope. I mean, there's, it's been pretty crazy. There's just the crazy run of injuries over the last two months for the Braves. Um, you hope that this final week, a couple guys are able to get healthy, Freddie Ender, and, and obviously everybody else stays healthy. Um, take care of any little nagging things you have going on because, uh, this time in 10 days, it'll be the playoffs. So, um, hopefully a, a good, quiet, calm last week and, and then get ready for more than likely St. Louis. Yeah, that sounds about right. And uh, as a programming note, I'm not entirely sure when the podcast will be coming next week. Um, there's, it could be Sunday night. We could just do it, but you know, I'm not sure the urgency level is there considering the Braves won't play until Thursday. So we're gonna, and maybe we'll do two. I don't know. But there will be a podcast, at least one podcast, um, between Sunday night next week and Wednesday. Um, I'm not sure if it'll be more than one. There'll be at least one podcast previewing the uh, what we expect to be the Cardinals, but the pre- previewing the NLDS in some form or fashion, talking roster, talking matchups, any news that's out there that's going to be happening, whether it be Scott and I or Eric and I or all three of us or however we do this, there will be content, I promise. And then the plan, as we said before, but if you're a new listener, by the way, tell your friends, um, the plan is we were going we to record a podcast after every game. Um, yeah, that'll be a lot of games, hopefully. Last last year was only, only four. It was... A lot for us, but uh, I am up for the task of recording, I don't know, 20 podcasts if I have to. Yeah, that'd, that'd be cool. I'd be, be down with that. Um, um, so we'll see. Worth the late hours, yeah. 
Yeah. So just, to, just I want to get, that, I wanted to run, remind everybody of that uh, and all of uh, all that fun stuff. So subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Um, share. I know people bandwagon jump this time of year and get on the podcast and get on the get on the on the train. So hopefully people uh, will follow us and join us. And I really appreciate everybody listening. This truly is like, as far as like bandwagon teams goes, like this has to be one of the easier to bandwagon for the next month team in all of baseball. Like you look around at some of the other stories and like some people who are a little bit older might roll their eyes because they know the Braves just dominating the nineties and, and all that. But like, it's a team that hasn't won notoriously hasn't won a playoff series in almost two decades. Um, it's a young team. It's a fun team. Uh, it's, it's a huge fan base, obviously. So hopefully we, uh, like you said, hopefully we get to do 20 or so of these podcasts over the next six weeks. That is the plan, Scott. If only the Braves will will cooperate with us and win baseball games in the month of October, they won't be able to do it. So, um, all right. Well, thanks for joining me as always, Scott. Of course, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me on and, uh, yeah, get some rest. I know you had a crazy last couple days. Yeah. I'm going to go to bed hopefully for a few hours where I could work in the morning, but, uh, this podcast will be up for your money, your money commute. So if you're listening to that right now, Again, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. It's that time of year, and we'll see everybody next week with Playoff Preview. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.